This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. So good morning, everyone. It is just great to have so many of you back and and great to just have such a large audience here today. And, And this is the launch of our fall series called This Is What We Do. This is what we do. And it's based on a simple premise. And you guys are going to help me complete this sentence. You're going to say, God multiplies. Can we practice that one time? Ready? One, two, three. Okay. Ready? Here we go. I want you to know what, everybody online, this is a really talented in-person audience today. You get to hear it. So ready? We add. That's what this series is about. We add and God multiplies. What are the things that we do where we can actually add And then we watch how God can multiply that. And today what we're talking about is we're talking about blessing. Like when we add, God can multiply, and that happens with blessings too. It's a beautiful idea. And you look at this piece of new church theology that speaks to that. The essence of love is loving others who are outside of ourselves. Wanting to be one with them, and say the B word there, to be one with them, and blessing, and blessing them. And that's what we're going to talk about. What does that look like to bless people? Now, I want to say, I, you know, what we hope to do today is bless both teachers and students. So I wanted to start out because I think religion should be really fun. I wanted to start out with a funny video. And this is in honor of both teachers and students so that we're going through today's service with a smile on our face and that we stop kissing mirrors. You'll understand that in a few minutes. So take a look at this video. He went to the principal. So could you please get them to knock it off? No problem. I got this. Attention, please. Students, attention, please. Ladies, would you please stop putting lipstick prints on the bathroom mirrors? I repeat, ladies, would you please stop putting lipstick prints on the bathroom mirrors? Thank you. Is that good? Yeah. Jelly bean. Sure. What would you guess happened? What? The number of daily mirror kissings doubled. <laughs> Elohio spent hours cleaning them off. That's when he got smart. He called a group of the most popular girls in the school, known culprits, down into the lavatory. Ladies, I'd like to thank you for your time. Every day at the end of the day, I have to go through an unnecessary cleaning process. I'd like to show it to you, and I'm hoping you're willing to help. If you look over here to the mirror, see these lip prints? They're greasy and difficult to get off. I go home late every day because I spend so much time on these mirrors. I'd like to show you what I have to do every day. Every day I do this. Oh, 
I love that. What a great sense of humor we can have, right, with life. And that's the whole point today is, is to look at blessings and just kind of smile and go like, yeah, it's good that we're together. It's good that this is what we do. And it's good that we can laugh and just enjoy each other's company and enjoy what the blessings can be. Now, it's interesting, as we were getting ready for this, thinking about blessings and thinking about what the year can be for both students and teachers, Reverend Barry Haldeman shared a video with me, and, and he said, Chuck, look at this. And it was, it was a recovering skinhead. And this guy said, look, you know, whatever, what everybody's searching for, especially at a young age, especially at the age you folks are, especially at a young age, are these three things. Identity, community, purpose. Now, let's say those three together. Identity, community, purpose. We're all looking for that identity. We're all looking for community for our group. And we're all looking for purpose in our lives. And we tend to, when we're young, and and some older folks, we tend to really try to do it in that order. Like, I really need to find my identity. That becomes the primary question. And we can find identity, community, purpose in a number of different ways. Now, first off, I'm going to hop over onto this carpet over here. We can find identity, community, and purpose. We can clearly can find it in very negative ways. You know, as we saw in Charlottesville, Virginia, that's identity, that's community, and that's purpose. Yes, no answer. Is that a good version of identity, community, and purpose? No, it's not a good view of identity, community, and purpose. And then we can travel over here to the green carpet and we can see something very different. We can see a different way of holding identity, community, and purpose. A different way of seeing identity. A different way of seeing community. A different way of seeing purpose. Is that a better way, yes or no? Yes, it's clearly a better way. And yet our lives are so filled with this struggle around identity, community, and purpose. It's significant that we keep on remembering those. And and, and how do we shift it? Because I I feel like there's so much uh, angst around like, well, how do I actually find out who I am? And we tend to sort of retreat. Like when we were out there this morning in our prayer circle, the way I showed this to the young adults is that we believe that there's this circle out there that we want to join, but we step back from it, the circle closes, and we think, wow, if I just had an identity, I'd actually be able to step into that. That can lead us astray. Because it's so hard in this day and age to find that identity. Is Facebook always our friend? No, no. Because we can come up with a curated view and and we look at everyone else on Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, all those things, and they all look like they have identity. But it doesn't necessarily work that way. It works in a way that's far different and far more powerful. And that's where God starts to come in. God, you know, the the beginning of the Bible starts with this this beautiful image of of God, God brooding over the waters, God's spirit over these dark waters. And that's what creation comes out of. That idea that, look, you know, we, we have this thing that is dark and void. That's what it feels like a lot of the time. 
And God is brooding over it. God is sort of fluttering over it, trying to pull out our very, very, very best selves. Trying to pull that out. And as God pulls that out, that starts to develop more and more. We start to see this promise come true. A promise that comes at the very end of the Bible. And it's the promise of a new heaven and a new earth. And think of that poetically. Something that is forever new. Forever new both on the inside and both on the outside. And if we're all feared up, if we're all afraid, if we're all anxious, we're going to have a hard time finding that new heaven and new earth. But there are ways we can find it. There are ways it can grow. Now, as the band, excuse me, as Angela comes out here to, to get, the, get the students all lined up, I want you thinking about, yeah, what is that new heaven and that new earth? And be thinking about what could that look like for me as a teacher, as a student, as a family, as we're coming in to this new year. I'm Barry Halterman. I'm the chaplain of the Academy of the New Church High School, where all these wonderful students go. And it's a great community of people, students, families who are willing to make a change. And uh, being part of a community is a really important thing. And it's a great opportunity for our students to join with the New Church Live community, to join with a larger Bernathan community here, and really do try to partner and join with a community in the rest of the world. So thanks, uh, Pastor Chuck, for uh, inviting us and me up here to join in part of the message. The message uh, part I really want to focus on um, comes from the book of Revelation, also known as the Apocalypse. And as Chuck mentioned, it's a vision given to by God to the apostle John, one who had walked with Jesus and learned from him. And now he's having, later in life, he's having a vision where he sees a new heaven and a new earth being coming down from heaven as a city. And so that holy city known as the New Jerusalem is actually where the new church gets its name. The church of the New Jerusalem is another name for, for what goes on here. So that vision is incredibly important. And one of the things I want you to notice as I read part of that passage from the book of Revelation chapter 21 is how expansive that vision is. It's a huge, huge city. And he who talked to me had a gold reed to measure the city, its gates and its walls. The city is laid bare is laid out as a square. Its length is as great as its breadth. And he measured the city with a reed, 12,000 furlongs. Its length, breadth, and height are equal. And the construction of its wall was of jasper. And the city was pure gold like clear glass. And the 12 gates were 12 pearls. Each individual gate was of one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. But I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated illuminated it, and the Lamb is its light. And its gates will never shut, because there will be no night there. But there will be by no means enter into it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. So it's a beautiful vision of what the world can be, and really, as it's descending in John's vision, it's of what the world really is becoming right now. It's not just the future, it's also the present. And it's an expansive vision, and one where the community is much larger than they had thought at that day. If you look at it, it says 12,000 furlongs, which, um, or 12,000 stadia, which is roughly uh, 1,380 miles. 
Now, if you were to go 1,380 miles from this Philadelphia area down, you'd go down almost to Jamaica in the Caribbean. You'd head out west almost to the Colorado border. And from there, you'd head down south of Mexico City. This is a gigantic city. And its length and breadth are equal. And the other thing that's almost impossible about it is its height. It goes that same distance up in the air. Now, I know maybe angels can fly and stuff, but this is not really a, uh, a vision of something that's, that's meant to be taken literally. But if you look at the minds of the believers at that time, this was really an expansive city. This was beyond anything they could imagine. This was the extent of the known world to them. Most people back then, you know, they might travel a few miles in a radius around them. Some even, maybe if they're going on their pilgrimage to Jerusalem each year, you know, maybe up to 70 miles. Well, this is 1,380 miles. This is the known universe. And it's an idea that's meant to give us an expansive view of what the Lord really had in mind. He didn't just mean the little city of Jerusalem that wasn't the only spot. It's the spiritual city, the, um, the, the spiritual reality of extending as far as you can possibly imagine. So it's really meant to be very inclusive and expansive. It does have walls, that's important, and it has gates. Sometimes the church in the past has focused on the walls a lot, and I don't mean to minimize the importance of the walls, but we also really need to focus on the gates. It lets people in. So the idea is that the gates are never shut, that the Lord is the light inside, and the vision that he presents to us is inside. But it's not a vision that is simply one of just, you know, of naiveness, of everybody gets in, everybody, it's all good. There are boundaries. So how do we live into that vision of the Holy City that expands our view, expands our sense of community, includes everybody that can possibly be included? We want to look at that, and I'm going to bring the Pastor Chuck back out to show you that. But the idea here is it's not just everything goes or anything goes. The idea is the importance of that love, that kindness, the connection, the purpose that we all want to serve in there um, is something that it broadens our view, and our identity comes through that. So I do want to I do want to talk about that. Like, isn't that beautiful? This poetic image, and and you think about it, folks. People would have heard this story sitting around a fire. This is an oral tradition, and you can imagine them saying, "Yeah, it's this. It's one thousand three hundred and eighty miles wide, and you know, it just would have been beyond what they could imagine." And then the idea that you were going to be part of this city where the doors were never shut. The doors were always open. The lights, sort of like Motel 6, right? The lights always on. I mean, pretty incredible, right? And see, it's, it's interesting because there's a tension here. There's a tension between a couple of things. Naive egalitarianism. Is that a fancy word? That's one of those fun words to say like bubbles. Um, naive egalitarianism versus radical inclusion. Now, naive egalitarianism, that kind of means anything goes. It's a very naive view that, that, that all opinions are equally valued. My answer to that is yes and no. <laughs> yes and no. There are clearly some perspectives that are destructive to our world. Clearly are. We need to listen to them. We need to give a place for them to be spoken. And we also need the freedom to say no. That's why the city needs to have walls. It's that simple. That, that there has to be structure to things and that that structure, actually maybe that is part of our work. And this idea of radical inclusion, a radical inclusion, it's hard, 
It's costly and it's difficult. Lions, tigers, and bears, oh my. It's hard. It's costly. It's difficult. It's difficult to build a world based on radical inclusion. That means for you young adults, I'm going to sit over, stand over here for a minute. That means for you young adults, your job is to live that. A radical inclusion of, of involving many, many people, many, many voices as best you can, still maintaining the true north is true north. And for the teachers in here, radical inclusion means that student, and you know who they are, who drives you crazy, may be the one you're supposed to reach. I remember just a very simple back-to-school blessing service I did when I was a teacher up at Pocono Mountain High School, and it was a teacher of the year who was talking, Pennsylvania Teacher of the Year. And what he said, and this is a perfect example of how to make radical inclusion work, he said he would look at that student who was the most defiant, the most in his face, the most difficult. That day, and every day at the end of school, he would go and sit in that student's seat and say a prayer. Radical inclusion. Could I get an amen on that? Amen. amen. Amen means it is true. Like when we can do that, when we can start to exercise into that radical inclusion, the world starts to change. And notice what I'm saying. I'm saying that, that's, that's a very different view of coming to identity, purpose, and community. It's, it's starting to see a very different perspective. It's not me kind of flying in isolation. It's me learning about purpose. What's the purpose of all this? What am I supposed to really be trying to do? Look at this beautiful piece of new church. Life makes the church. Life. Life makes the church. Not doctrine, except to the degree that doctrine comes from life. Now, most churches look at their identity as their doctrine. Here it's saying, here Manuel Swinburne is saying, no, it's, it's really the life part. It's what we're doing. Combined, of course, with the truth. But, but what are we doing? This is what we do. It is plain then the Lord's church is not here, not there, but, can we say the next word, but everywhere. 1,380 miles. The people live by the basic laws of charity, the basic laws of kindness, service to other people. Goes on to say this. So the Lord's church is spread throughout the whole world and remains one. Because life creates the church. Like, that should give you chills. And remains one. Because when life creates the church and not doctrine separated from life, there's one unified church. A beautiful perspective. And listen to these words. And it's Pope Francis. That's kind of at the church level. And listen to these words from Pope Francis that really pull it down into our lives. I have a dogmatic certainty. You got to love that line. I have a dogmatic certainty. God is in every person's life. God is in every person's life. God is in everyone's life. You can and you must try to see God in every human life. That's that radical inclusion. And if we can come from that, folks, I think we can start to move towards a shift. Now, you notice I said identity, 
community purpose. It's about flipping it to where we really start to see purpose as the primary thing we're trying to create. Where do we get that sense of purpose? I've seen it with you folks. Like as soon as you're up here, you've got a purpose together. And as soon as you do, that moves outward. I've seen the power of that with the New Church Live Band. I mean, watching what these folks do, it's, it's, it's like Marcus comes in, he's got the song on his phone, he plays it, he puts it down, and then they all play the song. That is a crazy parlor trick. I can't even imagine how they do. Like I look at them and go, what? Yeah. I mean, literally, they practice for an hour. Like, I don't know how they do that. And Chris, Chris is, Chris is telling me, like, Chuck, these kids, they have not practiced. They're not going to be that good. They were great. They were awesome. And you see, like, right there, like, like if, if you're all consumed about your particular identity, it does not work. It does not work will not work, has never worked. And yet we live in a world that's constantly saying, no, you gotta find yourself, you gotta find your identity. Maybe, maybe true, but you gotta give yourself. You gotta give yourself. Give yourself over to purpose. Give yourself over to those things bigger than you. And then watch the miracle, because this is what happens. As soon as we find that purpose and we shift, what I find, listen to this, as soon as I find my purpose, I find my community. That could be the football team, to the singers, to the cool kids at lunch. I don't know what it is for you. But as soon as you find that purpose, you find your community. And then you find your identity. But your identity is in support of the community. It's in the support of the purpose. In other words, your identity is given to you to share. A God-given gift to share with other people with a purpose. With a purpose, with the direction that you are going. And that is indeed a beautiful, beautiful thing. I want you folks to get a chance to, to hear that and to hear how, how people, especially the young adults, and you're especially, especially if you're like me, and you're just struggling with, with how can I find identity? I'm just at that age where it's so hard. I mean, I, I can just, even getting ready for this service, as I'm sitting there backstage, still to this day, when I could hear bus 52 coming around the bend, <gasps> I still get knots in my stomach. Because I felt I had no identity at all. A lot of story around that, but I was sure I had no identity. And what I can tell you is when you find purpose, you'll find it. And what we need is we need teachers, friends, grandparents, parents to constantly be seeing in us our true identity, who we actually are, who can say, looking at this statement here, there is this thing, there is this thing. Saying this to any of you who are struggling, please listen very carefully to me. There is this thing that you were born for. Ask any mama, she'll tell you. There is this thing that you were born for. I want you to hear from three wonderful speakers. Please welcome them. So what I did was we asked some 
teachers slash educators slash moms slash grandmas to each share just a brief blessing here. So that's what they're going to do. First up is Erica. Thank you very much. Hello, I'm Erica Himes. I'm actually Angela Cooper's sister, and my parents are in the audience as well. Um, I have two little boys. Um, Chase is eight and Jackson is six and they are out at new Nutri- or at kids live right now. And I teach middle school health and phys ed. Um, so when I saw that video of the girls kissing the mirrors, it was very, it rang very true to me because I have a, I work in a, in a, in the gym and, uh, the locker room always has lipstick all over it. So, um, I, uh, so here, here's my, my little wish for my boys. And this is true for my students too. I was writing this and I was thinking, I was writing it in thinking about my kids, but then in, in reading it afterwards, it's true for my students too. So, dear Lord, I have several wishes for my children and I could spend days revising this list, I'm sure. However, I've decided that there are four that stand out right now. First, I hope that they understand that the world is not always perfect or fair. I want them to know, however, that if they work hard, are respectful, kind, humble, and try their best, it can be beautiful. They were born into an incredibly lucky and blessed life, and I hope that they are able to recognize that. Second, I am hopeful that they learn to be problem solvers, to look at situations that are difficult as an opportunity to be creative and figure it out, while recognizing that even despite their best efforts, they still might fail. And I want them to know that failing is okay, that sometimes in life, failure is the best teacher. And I want them to, when I talk about my kids, it makes me cry. Um, I want them to be resilient after failure. I want them to learn from their mistakes and rise above. Third, I want them to one day understand... (laughs) Why I can't be their friend right now, Mm -hmm. I have to be their parent. And that won't always mean that they will like me. But deep down, they will appreciate it because it, uh, because being held accountable for their behavior feels safe. And the reason that I ride them so hard is because I love them and I only want what's best for them. And I will always know that they love me too, even if it feels like they don't like me very much. And eventually, they will be old enough to understand, like I did with my parents. Finally, I want them to be kind, because they will come across people in their lives that are going through things that my boys won't ever be able to comprehend. And when they meet these people, my hope is that compassion and empathy flow out of them naturally because this is how I envision them understanding, feeling, and fulfilling the Lord's love. And my boys, they are so loved. Hi. My name is Alex Hanlon, and um, I have two children. I have um, a senior at A&C, and I have a freshman at Temple. Um, and I'm an educator. I teach at the University of Pennsylvania, and so I'm, te- I'm speaking um, from that perspective. So um, let me um, 
Let me just read my blessing that I put together. Um, Dear Lord, let us pray that our children will develop an eternal perspective and purpose, a purpose that only they will own, but a purpose that is commonly rooted in kindness and selflessness. Please help our children live life with all of his challenges, with clarity, kindness, and without fear. Please teach our children to respect and embrace diversity and to recognize the strength in all of our differences. Please give our children the wisdom of knowing that beauty emanates from within and it's not found in a wardrobe, a zip code, or a body type. Please teach our children to love themselves wholly and completely and give them the strength to speak up and take action when appropriate. Please let our children know that their voice is important and that nothing is trivial if it stirs the soul. Please give our children the ability to grow, to learn, and to adapt. And please allow our children to find their passion and make it their life's work. Please give our children a sense of humor, and finally, let them know how deeply, deeply, deeply they are loved. Amen. I am Mary Jane Youngie. I have four grown sons and eight grandchildren. And I taught middle school for many years. So, there is this thing that you were born for. That you and you alone can fulfill. My prayer for you is that you know, that you feel in your heart that you matter to God that your life is important. I pray that you work to gain the tools you will need to be the difference in this world that you alone can be. But I especially pray that you will recognize the importance of each of your classmates, that you will be someone who inspires your peers to be their best, their best, kindest selves, and that you have friends who do the same for you. Thank you. So I just, I just wanted to say, first off, I taught junior high school, so you get extra credit. That's good. <laughs> Uh, you know, as an educator myself, just thank the world of all three of you and, you know, what you've been able to do and just thank you for what you shared with our congregation. So if we give them another round of applause. For us. And that's, that's how we can bless, right? It's understanding this very simple thing. Be the blessing. Be the blessing. And could we all say that together really loud? Ready? Be the blessing. Be the blessing. Let's have it be a school year where in times that are easy, we're going to be the blessing. Where times that are hard, we're going to be the blessing. That with the difficult student who needs more love, we're going to be the blessing. For that person who feels like the outcast, we're going to be the blessing. Into our own best selves, and to God, and to our communities, we're going to be the blessing. Just that simple. 
And if we do that, we'll find purpose. If we do that, we'll find community. And if we do that, we'll find a great identity. Amen. So what we're going to do now, folks, is Barry, Christopher, and myself are actually going to be offering blessings. One of the musicians is going to come out. It's going to offer some gentle noodling. If you're a teacher or a parent or just a student here, you're welcome to come down. We're going to have three blessing stations, left, middle, and right. You're welcome to come down. We're going to ask you, what would you like us to bless you for for this coming year? We'll do a little blessing, and then you'll go back to your seats, and we're going to end with a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful song. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv.